Welcome to Word Connect with Pastor Maxwell Ogaga, a teaching ministry where believers are trained to be established in the truth of God's Word. For more information and free downloads, please visit www.thepastormax.ng. Let's get into the Word. Father, thank you because I'm anointed to teach. Thank you because your people are anointed to receive. And together our faith is built up in the knowledge of the person of Jesus. I pray that light and understanding will come forth through and in your word. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Alright, so I want you to follow me on a journey this morning. Um, this is almost like picking up from the series we finished on for this course. Okay, So we're starting a new theology series. Um, and we want to look at the gospel of the kingdom. The gospel of the kingdom. And we want to particularly look at what did Jesus and his disciples preach. Okay? The gospel of the kingdom. What did Jesus and his disciples preach? And I want you to follow me because uh, this is a, a, a foundational teaching that we are going to be looking at. And I want you to pay attention. I want you to follow. Uh, I want you to, to document the things we'll be saying. And we want to look at, um, remember, this should be our favorite scripture, uh, Luke 24. Let's, let's go to Luke 24. Come with me to Luke 24. And I'll show you something there that you already know, but you need to know again. And verse 44. Now, he said to them, these are my words which I spoke to you while I was still with you. That all things which are written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then, look at this, verse 35. Then he opened their minds. Okay? He opened their minds. He opened their minds. So that what will happen? To understand what? To understand what? Now, when he opened their mind to understand the scripture, do you realize these people were already talking to Jesus about Jesus? This was the disciples on the road to Emmaus. Now, it means that even though they have the story of Jesus and they were talking to Jesus about Jesus, they did not really understand the scriptures. Are you, are you following this now? So Jesus had to explain to them. And remember, they didn't have Matthew, Mark, Matthew, Matthew, Mark, Luke and John. They had the Old Testament. So Jesus had to patiently explain to them from the Old Testament about the things that he was to suffer. Now that means when we pick the Old Testament, we can see the plan of God from the Old Testament. Okay? Alright. So, so what I want to do is to try to start teaching the kingdom from the Old Testament. What exactly is the kingdom? Now, the word kingdom, it appears about 149 times in the Old Testament. It appears about 149 times in the Old Testament. Most times it refers to natural kingdoms of men. Sometimes it refers to the kingdom of God. Now, this is a phrase that is so common in the scriptures, but we have very little understanding about. Many people do not understand the kingdom of God. Now, um, 
in, in the New Testament, the phrase, the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God appears 70 times in the New Testament, which is uh, the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and all of that. It appears 70 times. The phrase, the kingdom of God. Now, pay attention to that. Now, the phrase, the kingdom of heaven, appears 30, 30 to 33 times, but majorly used by Matthew. So, if you read Luke and John and Mark, you would find more of the phrase, the kingdom of God. But if you read the book of Matthew, you would find the kingdom of heaven is used more. And there is a reason. There is a reason why Matthew wrote that. Now, we need to find out. There are other phrases used for the kingdom. So, uh, the kingdom of, of God is found over 70 times in the Gospels. The kingdom of heaven is found about 30 times in the New Testament, but particularly in Matthew. So, because there was a writing to the Jews, essentially. So, there, there are other phrases used around the kingdom that we have to explore. Number one, you find in Matthew, 40, uh, Matthew chapter 13. Go to Matthew chapter 13. Let me see, I can take this very easy so you can follow. Because I know for some of us, this might be totally new stuff. So, go to Matthew 13 and verse 43. Matthew 13 and verse 43. Then the righteous will shine forth as the sun in the kingdom of their father. So, in, 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 in Matthew 13, 43, he uses the word the kingdom of their father or the kingdom of the father. Okay? Now, go to Matthew chapter 16 and verse 28. We are looking at other phrases used. Concerning the kingdom. And we need to explore all of this. Matthew 16, 28. Truly I say to you, there are some of those who are standing here who will not taste death until they see the Son of Man coming in His kingdom. So, it talked about the kingdom of the Son of Man. Now, why did He say the kingdom of the Son of Man? Is the kingdom of the Son of Man and the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of God and the kingdom of the Father, are they the same thing? If they are the same thing, why the different concepts? Are you following this now? Okay. Somebody said there's nothing to follow yet. Just continue. <laughs> okay. Colossians chapter 1 verse 12 gives us, Paul uses another phrase in talking, describing the kingdom. Colossians chapter 1 and verse 12. Now, these are very important things because as you study the Bible, you must begin to learn to pay attention to details. Colossians 1.12 Giving thanks to the Father, who has qualified us to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. For He rescued us from the domain or the kingdom of darkness... And transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son. Can you see this again? He uses the word, the kingdom of his beloved son. Okay. Now, go to Revelation chapter 11. Revelation chapter 11. So we're looking at the different phrases used for this concept of the kingdom. Revelation chapter 11 and verse 15. Then the seven angels sounded, 
let me just say this, right? Let me, let, me, let me say this, because as we begin to teach on the kingdom of God, we need to enlighten and bring to, to be. When the scriptures talks about trumpets, when the, when the Bible talks about trumpet in symbolic language, a trumpet means a message. A trumpet means a message. There's no trumpet sounds without a message. So a trumpet is symbolic of a message. And the number seven is the number of perfection. So if you look at that in, in light of this scripture, we're talking about the perfect and the final message. So let's go on. Since the seven angels sounded and there were loud voices in heaven saying, The kingdom of the world has become... The kingdom of our Lord and of His Christ. He would reign forever and ever. So, in Revelation 11, uh, 15, we find this phrase, The kingdom of our Lord and His Christ. So, when we talk about the kingdom of God, praise God, when we talk about the kingdom of God, we are able to see all of this phraseology regarding the subject of the kingdom. So, we've seen the kingdom of the Father, Matthew 13, 43. The kingdom of the Son of Man, Matthew 16, 28. The kingdom of the Son of His love, Colossians chapter 1, verse 12. And the kingdom of our Lord and of His Christ in Revelation chapter 11 and verse 15. So, it's important for us to understand that the kingdom of God is the central plan and the central purpose of God. The kingdom of God is the central plan and the central purpose of God. And as we teach and preach, we must rediscover the central message of God. Because in Second John chapter 9 and verse, verse 9... I like, I like the way the, uh, the message translation puts it. It says, anyone who gets so progressive in his thinking that he walks out on the teaching of Christ, walks out on God. But whoever stays with the teaching stays faithful to both the Father and the Son. So it, it's very important for us to stay faithful to the teachings of Christ. Anyone who goes too far and does not abide in the teaching of Christ does not have God. The one who abides in the teaching, he has both the Father and the Son. So exactly what is the teaching of Christ? What did Christ essentially come to teach? What did Jesus teach all the time he was on earth? What was the emphasis of Jesus? Now, let's go back to Genesis chapter 49 and let's pick up something there. Genesis chapter 49. Have you followed this so far? Documented all the phrases regarding the kingdom? Genesis 49. Because what we read in Luke chapter 24 tells us that uh, all the scriptures was talking about Christ. Hmm? And so, let me, let me say this to you. The message Contained in the scriptures is one message. And it is the unveiling of Christ and the revelation of the kingdom. And that's why when we come to church, these are part of the things we should learn. More of the things we should learn. On understanding the central message of Christ. Now, let's go to Genesis. I said you should go to Genesis what? 49. Now, 
When you go to, excuse me, Genesis chapter 49 and verse 10, I want to start building this foundation from the Old Testament. You remember that in Genesis chapter 49, uh, Jacob was blessing the children of Israel and he was telling them things to come. Okay? It was like he was prophesying their future. Go to uh, verse 1, Genesis 49 verse 1. Then Jacob summoned his sons and said, Assemble yourselves that I may tell you what will befall you in the days to come. Verse 2, Gather together, hear, O sons of Jacob, and listen to Israel, your father. Now go to verse 10. Go to verse 10. Verse 10 says, The scepter shall not depart from Judah. The scepter shall not depart from Judah. What's a scepter? What, 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 you, what, what? Hmm? A staff of office. Right. Now, does a president use a scepter? No. When you, when, when, when you, when you think of a scepter, what comes to your mind? A king. You know, like the scepter of one king was, was taken recently I was, was put online for 10 million. Are you following that now? <laughs> you know, things, miracles happen in this country daily. And that's a scepter. So, for instance, <clears throat> now we can agree that a scepter talks about the kingdom or a king. So, if we say, <clears throat> you need to follow this now, this is the foundation. The scepter shall not depart from Judah. What do you think Jacob was seeing? Because it means that the king will not depart from Judah. Nor the ruler's staff from between his feet. Until Shiloh comes and to him shall be the obedience of the people. Now, listen very carefully why the Old Testament is very important. Listen very carefully. Now, this is what happens. Jacob is speaking over the children of Israel. And, and prophetically, he picks the purposes of God and says, when he looks at Judah, he says, from Judah, the king is going to come. Remember what we read in Luke chapter 24, verse 44, that everything written in the prophets, the law, right? And the Psalms is about Jesus. So you realize that Jacob prophesied that Jesus was going to come out of the tribe of Judah. So when he says, until Shiloh comes and to you shall be the obedience of the people, he was talking about the ultimate exaltation of Christ that every knee will bow to Christ. Are you following this now? So let's hold that, let's hold that and see that from the very beginning, it's been predetermined that the scepter will be in Judah. Now, let's, let's, let's follow that down. Now, go to Second Samuel. I want, to, I want to build this gradually. Go to Second Samuel. We have to follow this line upon line, precept upon precept. Go to Second Samuel chapter 7. Let's see if other prophets picked on this. Second Samuel chapter 7. And uh, verse 12, we can start reading from verse 12. Second Samuel chapter 7, from verse 12. When your days are complete, talking about David. 
when your days are complete and you lie down with your fathers, I will raise up your descendant after you, who shall come forth from you. And I will establish his kingdom. He shall build a house for my name. And I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be a father to him and he will be a son. Observe that phrase. Note that very phrase. Very important. I will be a father to him and he will be a son to me. When he commits iniquity, I will correct him with the rod of men and the strokes of the son of men. <laughs> but my loving kindness shall not depart from him. As I took it away from Saul, whom I removed before you. So he was talking about David. Go to verse 16. Your house... And your kingdom shall endure before me forever. Now, observe that word forever. Now, most times in the, in the Bible, you see the word forever and ever. Well, actually, forever and ever is almost like tautology. Because forever is just forever. It's saying forever and ever. But, well, let's say forever and ever. But forever. Forever just covers it. Now, the Bible says... Your kingdom shall endure before me forever. Your throne shall be established forever. But we know that he was talking to David. Right? We know he was talking to David. Now, David's throne was not forever. Because if David's throne is forever, that means David should still be governing now. Are you following me? Now, the reason I'm showing you this from the Old Testament is because when Jesus comes to start preaching, he starts talking about the kingdom. So, the Jews understood the message of Jesus because he was from the tribe of Judah. So, when you say Jesus is from the tribe of Judah, it's not just because he likes J, that Jesus merged with J, Judah, Jesus. That's why he came. No, 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 no. He, he, he came from that tribe because he was fulfilling prophecy. Luke 24, 44. And that is why the Jews, they had problems with Jesus because in their mind, they could not see that Jesus is the king. So, in fact, the reason, with this towards the end of the message, but you follow, the reason they crucified Jesus was because he laid claims to the kingdom. Are you following this now? So this, this is important to the Jews. The promise of Yahweh that the throne of David would, would be forever. And so when Jesus came and started talking about the kingdom, they could not wrap their minds around it that in this illegal child who we can't even trace his father, he's now saying he's the king of the kingdom. The same way today, the church has no clue what the kingdom of God is. So many people in the church are waiting for the kingdom. When lion is going to stay with sheep. My book of Bible story. Say, don't worry, snake will not bite us again when we get to the kingdom. And so, the whole plans and purposes of God for the earth, for your life, is suspended until one day. And we live in a constant futuristic dimension. And we are not able to apprehend or comprehend the very purposes of God for us on the earth. But let's go on. Let's go on. So we've seen that, that Samuel picks up on this. Let's go to Luke chapter 1, verse... Take note of some of those phrases I've said. I'll be a father to him. He'll be a son to me. 
sit on the throne of David, take note of the word forever. It will endure forever. Go to Luke chapter 1. Let's rest wrong quickly. There are a whole lot of prophecies, but that's not our aim. We just want to establish a few things here so we can really get into what we have to get into. Luke chapter 1, please. Uh, can you go with me to verse 30? Luke one thirty. Luke chapter 1 verse 30. Uh, um, can, I, can we read Luke chapter 1 and, and let's read from verse 1 first, please. Verse 1 and we'll stop at verse 4. Then we go to verse 30. I want you to pay, pay, pay attention to some particular phrases that Luke uses. Inasmuch as many have undertaken to compile an account of the things accomplished among us. Verse 2. <clears throat> just as they were handed down to us by those who from the beginning, come on now, were eyewitnesses and servants of the word. Look at verse 3. It seemed fitting to me as well, having investigated everything carefully from the beginning, to write it out for you in a consecutive order, most excellent Theophilus, so that you may know the exact truth about the things you have been taught. So, so you've been taught. So Luke says, I want to write an orderly account. I've investigated these things and this is my orderly account so that you can know, observe the word, the exact truth about the things you have been taught. So, the scriptures is an orderly account to bring us to exact truth. Are are you following this? So, when you're reading the book of Luke, you're reading someone who took his time to document things to give you exact truth. And that is why we must search for this truth in its exact form, in its complete form. Go to verse 30 now. Let's, Let's come to verse 30. Now, uh, verse 30, then the angel said to her, the angel was now speaking to Mary, okay? So we've read all the Old Testament, Judah and the rest and the prophetic words and all of that. And behold, you conceive in your womb and bear a son. And you shall name name, name him Jesus. He will be great. And he will be called the son of the Most High. And the Lord God, look at this, will give him the throne of what? Will give him the throne of what? His father what? David. So you see, Jesus was given the throne of his father David because God needed to fulfill that covenant he had with David that his seed would always be on the throne. Are you following this now? So, when, when, when the Jews sometimes were approaching Jesus and they, and they said, Oh thou son of David, have mercy on me. They understood why they were referring to Jesus as the son of David. That doesn't concern you. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Calling Jesus the son of David will not make him respond to you quickly. Because you are not even part of that covenant in the first place. I'll tell you where you fit in. But you you understand, when he was called son of David, and he stood and responded, why did he respond? Because these people called him by a covenant name. Now, follow this now. When Israel or Jacob said, the scepter, the symbol of the kingdom will not depart until you have a son and the kingdom will be forever. 
That means as of Genesis chapter 49, Israel had already seen the coming of Christ and the coming of Jesus. Are you following this now? So this is the central thread that holds the scripture, the unfolding story of redemption and restoration. Now let's let's go on. It says and he would reign over the house of Jacob forever. And his kingdom will have no end. If, if the Lord permits, and if we go deeper in the study, I'll, I'll show you some of the things people teach about the millennial reign, which actually makes no scriptural sense, because they talk about the kingdom reigning, and then there's a suspension, and after 1,000 years, then the kingdom will continue. From all prophecies concerning the kingdom, the one word you do not find is that the kingdom will pass. It's never been that way. It's always been the increase of his kingdom, there shall be no end. It's an ever-increasing kingdom. There is no pause. You know, because people say, well, 1,000 years, we're going to be this, and this is going to happen. And then the next Sunday, the same preacher says, 1,000 years is like a day. And then the next Sunday, see, we're going to be away for 1,000 years. And then the next Sunday, 1,000 years is like a day. Which one? And it's because most people pick their eschatology from the Finnish Dakes Bible. They read the commentary of Finnish Dakes. And then they build all those diagrams from there. Four blood moons. And all of those. Let me say this very bold and clear. And I'm making apologies about it. There's nobody who predicts the rapture that will be correct. Nobody. Doesn't matter how popular the man of God is. Eleven years after now, we'll still be here. Preaching the truth of God's kingdom. Mark my words. Are you hearing what I'm saying? I can take you through church history. Every book, every prediction on when Jesus is coming again have been absolutely wrong. Because many do not understand what the kingdom of God is. And that's why the emphasis of Jesus, the emphasis of the apostles, the emphasis of Paul was on unveiling the kingdom of God. And if you do not, and I'll tell you this, if you do not have a proper understanding of the kingdom, your eschatology will always be faulty. And I'm going to take you to the book of Daniel. And I'll show you very clearly the image of Daniel. If you pick that up, if you pick that up and you follow, even if you follow very carefully the, the, the emergence of the kingdom and kingship in Israel, you will discover that from time to time, God has always made sure, regardless of how the people sin, He's always made sure that a man from the seed and the lineage of David remains on the throne because that was the covenant He made with David. You know, we easily forget our words and our covenant, but God doesn't. Are you still here? Well, that was just bonus. Let's go. So he says, He will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will have no end. So observe that. Note those words. Those are very important. Throne of his father, and the kingdom will have no end. Go to Revelation chapter 11. Show you something here. 
Revelation chapter 11. It's like somebody stands and talks about the coming of the Antichrist. And you read, about, and you read what John said very clearly. It's there. That the Antichrist is already among us. It's in the Bible. And in fact, he goes on to say, they came out from us. Have you read that in the scriptures? Have you read that in the scriptures? That the Antichrist came out from us. What is the word anti? Huh? What is anti? What does anti mean? Not, not your mother's. <laughs> so it's my mother. No, not your mother. You say your mother is the Antichrist. <laughs> what does anti mean? Against. So if I say anti, if I say anti KDCC, what do I mean? Not, don't say the mother of the church. If I say anti KDCC, what do I mean? That which fights against us, right? If I say anti pastor, what do I mean? That we fight against pastor. If I say anti corruption, eh? what does he mean? Now come on, talk to me, church. What does he mean, anti corruption? Antichrist. So why are you waiting for one man? Hmm? And many American presidents have suffered. Because a lot of pastors have used them as the Antichrist. We'll, we'll get into that. Let's, let's stay here. Stay here for a while. Revelation 11. A Christian who is afraid of the Antichrist have not been taught properly. The believer should only have reverence for God. Everything else is absolutely under your control. If you understand the message of the kingdom. Do you realize, and I talked about this when I talked about for this cause. Do you realize that, listen, as we are all seated here, the ultimate purpose of God for our lives is Genesis 1.26. That you have dominion. That's it. Are you hearing what I'm saying? That's why on Wednesdays, and please make sure you're here on Wednesdays, on Wednesdays we're going to be dealing, after a while, worship, we're going to be dealing with the kingdom and healing the sick. You will understand clearly, Jesus says, if I cast out spirits by the spirit of Christ, then the kingdom has come. Because sickness in your body is anti-kingdom. It, it just gives you a knowledge of it. That if I'm a carrier of the kingdom, I cannot carry this. It, it's, it's simple. You will not be looking for a miracle worker. You will begin to have dominion, first of all, over this earth. You know, the scripture refers to this body as an earthly body. You will begin to exercise dominion over this earth. Look at this now. Let's, let's go to Revelation 11. Are you, are you still here? I mean, when I'm doing these teachings, I wish you can just have one long service and just teach. So that I've not even gotten to my introduction. Revelation 11.15. Let's look at this now. Then the seven angels sounded, and there were loud voices in heaven, the kingdom of this world had become the kingdom of our Lord and of His Christ. Look at this word again. And He would reign forever and ever. He would reign forever and ever. Go to Romans chapter 1. Paul picks on the fact that Jesus is the son of David. And I like Paul. Paul was very brilliant. And I think one of the reasons God used Paul a lot was because of his legal mind. Because when you read the, the uh, Pauline writings, he establishes the truth of the scripture in a very legal and logical manner. He builds on truths. Um, Romans chapter 1. Go to verse 3. 
Look at this. Can, can we read from verse 1? From verse 1. Please pay attention to this. Paul, a born servant of Christ Jesus, called as an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God. Observe that word, the gospel of God. We're going to read something about the gospel of Christ in the book of Luke as we progress. Which he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures. So, the gospel of God, listen carefully, was promised beforehand through the prophets in the Scriptures. Remember Luke chapter 24 verse 44? Come on. That in all the prophets were... And you know, in those days, all the prophets were prophesying about Christ and about what Jesus will do and the kingdom of God and everything. Uh, prophets of today will prophesy money and ATM card and bank account and the devil. You see that the devil has given us jobs. Because a true prophet will know the purposes of God. Are you hearing what I'm saying? There's nothing wrong with you. It's just ignorance. You know, most times people feel that when you teach believers to be responsible for themselves, then they will not need you as the pastor. In the first place, if you're a pastor who wants your people to need you, then you don't know your purpose. Because God's ultimate plan is that every man will know him from the least to the greatest. Are you hearing what I'm saying? If man had not fallen, there will not be any need for church. All the pastoral headaches that we have, we will not be having them. There will not be any need for tight. Because there are fruits everywhere. <laughs> that, that was a joke. <laughs> Verse 3. Concerning his son, who was born of a descendant of David according to the flesh. So Paul had to say, listen... According to human genealogy, Jesus had to come and had to be the son of David. Now, this will make you understand why is the Bible emphatic about Jesus being the son of David. Because that is what gives him the earthly right for the kingdom. Because the promise of the ruler of the kingdom has to be from that lineage. Are you following this now? So, so, so when you read Son of David, let it make sense to you that, oh, this is kingdom. Because every time the Son of David is mentioned, you remember God's word to David. That his son will rule and the kingdom will be forever. Um, Isaiah, let's see. Isaiah picked up on this. Isaiah 9-7. So I'm taking you back, back in front, old and new. Isaiah 9-7. Verse 6. For a child will be born to us. A son will be given to us. The government will rest on his shoulders. The government will rest on his shoulders. <laughs> let, me, let, me, let me just say something there about the shoulder. When you read it, your mind immediately goes to... Who's the body of Christ? What's, what's the body of Christ today? The church. Okay? Jesus is the head. Am I right? Come on. Is Jesus the head of the body? Where's the shoulders? What do you think the shoulders will be? Huh? The body. The shoulders will be in the body. Okay. So what does that tell you about this scripture? That the government of the kingdom of God will be carried by the body of Christ. 
Genesis 1.26 Have you read this scripture that as he is, so are we? How is he? Is he being pursued by generational curses? Is Jesus looking for deliverance? Why are you like this? Do you know we don't believe the Bible? This is simple now. Look at it. He said the government will be on his shoulders. And I asked a very simple question. Where is the shoulders in your human body? Who is the body of Christ? Who is the temple of the living God? Where does God reside? Why are witches pursuing you? Ignorance. So you that ought to be governing... You are not. But let's read on. His name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. There will be no end to the increase of His government or of His peace. Now, observe that word peace. Because when Paul defines the kingdom in Romans chapter 14, he identifies that as a factor of the kingdom. Peace. So observe that word peace. Note it. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and uphold it with justice and righteousness for, for then on forevermore. The zeal of the Lord will accomplish this. Now you observe he says on the throne of David again. So you see every time the prophetic word about Jesus comes they link it up to the kingdom and the throne of David. Because that was an important factor. That was an important, important factor. Now, uh, let me give you two scriptures. Go to Isaiah 22. While you are at Isaiah, go to verse 20, chapter 22 and uh, let me see. Should be verse 22. Isaiah is a brilliant prophet. He's one of the prophets who really prophesied about the kingdom and talked about the kingdom. Isaiah 22, 22. Hmm? Now, uh, okay. Uh, look at this now. Verse, let, let's, because of time, let's read this. Verse 22. Then I will set the key of the house of David on his shoulders. I'll give him that responsibility. When he opens, no one will shut. When he shuts, no one will open. Do you realize that the way God designed the believers to walk is that what God has opened in heaven will open on earth? Are you following this? And what God has bound in heaven will do what? We bind on earth. So the scripture calls us, look at this word, very important word. The scripture calls us co-laborers with God. Praise God. Come on, I said praise God. Now, did you observe, they say I'm going to give him key. Hmm? What's that key going to be? When he opens, no man will shut. When he shut, no man will open. Go to Revelation. Chapter 3. So you see, when the Jews had certain statements, right? For instance, if, if a Jewish man, if I was preaching, in, 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 and if I said, I've, I've got the key of David, when I open, no man can shut, and when I shut, no man will open, they will not take it as lightly as you're taking it now. Do you know the reason why? Because that was a key prophetic word. In understanding who the Messiah is. 
So that's why if you understand Jewish history and you read the Old Testament, you will understand why they took up stones to stone Jesus when he said certain statements. When he says, I am. Uh-uh. How can you call yourself I am? I am was not just I am. Maybe you say I'm Maxwell or I'm, I'm this. No. I am was the eternal name of God that he used in revealing himself to Moses. So when Moses went to, the, to Pharaoh and to the children of Israel, he says the I am has sent me to. So when, when, <laughs> when Jesus now said before Abraham, I am, it was not English they heard. Are you following what I'm saying? They said, ah, you are not even up to 30. You are saying you are God. The Bible said they took up stones to stone him. Jesus now asked them, why are you stoning me? They said it's not for the miracles. That's why sometimes miracles don't establish people in doctrine. He says it's not for the miracles. He says, but you being man, making yourself God, that's why we want to kill you. And in fact, that was the original intention of God. That men will function as God. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Can I tell you something? Go and read the Bible. There was no miracle Jesus performed that the prophets of old did not perform. Do you know Elijah multiplied food? Jesus was not the first person to multiply food. Elijah multiplied food. They raised the dead. So what's the difference between Jesus and Elijah? It is not for the miracles. Are you here? When Jesus took the, the, when Jesus took the book of Isaiah and read, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he anointed me. And read, he says, today this scripture is fulfilled in your ears. When he said that, what he was saying is, I am the Messiah. They understood that. Are you still here? See how much time we've got. Okay, we're in Revelation chapter 3, verse 7. And to the angel of the church in Philadelphia, right? So when the scripture says to the angel of the church, is the, is the Greek word angelos, which actually means messenger. I, I think I'm going to teach on angels next year. Uh, messenger. So it was writing almost like to the pastor of the church in Philadelphia. Okay? Then the, the, the pastors were called angels, angelos, messengers. <laughs> he who is holy, who is true, who has. Now, has his word. If I say, can I say I has? <laughs> I don't has. You know, but if I if say he who has the key, that means it's been given to him. Mm. Okay. He who is holy, who is true, who has the key of David, who opens and no one will shut, and who shuts and no one will open. That means Jesus confirmed that he was the one to sit on the kingdom. Because this was the same thing Isaiah said, that he would be given the key of David. What's the key? Access, authority, symbol. Alright? So, we see that We've been able to prove that Jesus came out of that kingdom lineage. We've seen Jesus again from another perspective. How was he able to establish his kingdom lineage? God, Israel was designed to be a sample nation of the true Israel of God. And what was God's plan is that he would be their king. Now, go to Exodus chapter 19. Let's see how much we can build here. Exodus 19, verse 5. Are you following this? Come on, talk to me. Are you following this now? 
Alright, Exodus chapter 19 and verse 5 to 6. Now observe these words very, very carefully. Uh, can we read from verse 1 very quickly? In the third month after the sons of Israel had gone up out of the land of Egypt, on that very day they came unto the wilderness of Sinai. And when they set out from Rephidim, they came to the wilderness of Sinai and camped in the wilderness, and there Israel camped in front of the mountain. Verse 3. Moses went up to God, and the Lord called him from the mountain, saying, Thus you shall say to the house of Jacob, and tell the sons of Israel. Can you observe? Now, two phrases I want you to always observe. Sometimes when you read the prophetic words, you see the, the phrase, the house of Jacob. Hmm? So every time you see the house of Jacob, you also know that it's referring to the sons of Israel, the twelve tribes. Okay? Now, sometimes you see the tribe of Judah. No, uh, you, well, I don't have time to go through that. But if you study, you realize that at a point, there was a division in the kingdom of Israel. So there was a northern kingdom. You know, so sometimes when the prophetic word is coming, it prophesies to the two divisions. But you observe here that the house of Jacob, uh, it talks about the house of Jacob and also what? The sons of Israel, because the sons of Israel made up the house of Jacob. Okay. Now you yourself have seen what I did to the Egyptians and how I bore you on eagle's wing and brought you to myself. Verse 5. Now then, if you indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, then you shall be my own possession among all peoples. So when, when, when God picked Israel, his design was to use Israel as a sample nation of how the holy nation would be. For all the earth is mine. Observe that. For all the earth is mine. And verse 6, look at verse 6. And you shall be to me a kingdom of what? Of priests and a holy nation. These are the words that you shall speak to the sons of Israel. Now observe, observe what God says. He says, I'm going to pick you up and you will be to me a kingdom of priests. Now, if I say a kingdom of priests, obviously there must be a king over that kingdom. There cannot be a kingdom if there's no king. So the whole nation of Israel was designed to be what? To be a kingdom of priests. Now go to Revelation chapter 1. Um, let's do First Peter first. First Peter chapter 2. Please pick on this. And very, very important. First Peter chapter 2. And go to verse, uh, verse 9. First Peter 2, 9. Now, I was talking to us now. But you are a chosen race. Now, you realize that just as God chose Israel, so he has chosen us. Right? So, what happened? God picked Israel as an example. And then from there started progressing and then we're part of it. But see how the Lord describes us. You are a chosen race. A royal priesthood. Now, you can't use royalty if you're not talking about kingdom. If we talk about a royal family, what are we talking about? Uh, a priestly family, uh, uh, a kingly family. Am I right? So when the Bible says you are a royal priesthood, what does this send a message to you? That you are also a kingdom of priests. That's why you are royalty. A royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession. Is this not the very same word he spoke to them that we just read? That you will be my possession. Okay? So that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Right? Now, verse 10. For you, 
once were not a people. When he says we were not a people, what did he mean? We weren't part of that Jewish covenant. We were not the first set of people he used that phrase for. Like, but now you are the people of God. You, before you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. And this, this just puts to, I mean, you know, that whole thing about Israel being very special to God and we all have to bow to Israel, contribute to Israel, do something to Israel so that God will bless us. God says, we that were not a people, we are now the people. Paul said it clearly that we are now the Israel of God. And some people will say, well, that's replacement theology. That's not replacement theology, that's progressive truth. If a Jew does not believe that Jesus is Lord and confess him as Lord, he will not be saved. Because I'm seeing all of us, I'm seeing people go back to the Jewish thing, blowing shofars in, in church and wearing prayer uh, hamits and, 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 and all of that, 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 you know. Why are you trying to go back to what God is delivering you for? Can you keep the law? How many of you have money to buy shofars? Let's go on. You have not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Hallelujah. So, go to Revelation chapter 1 verse 6. Revelation 1 6. I'm going to pick up from Daniel next Sunday so that I'll patiently take that. Um, Revelation chapter 1 verse 6. And he has made us. <laughs> Glory to God. I mean, this is so brilliant. This is so brilliant. That we are part of that new covenant in Christ. Hallelujah. They were no longer cut off. Glory to God. Look at, look at this. Revelation chapter 1. This is beautiful. Mm. Uh, 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 uh. Let's read from verse 4. John. To the seven churches that are in Asia, grace to you, peace from him who is, who was, and who is to come. Very important phrase. From the seven spirits who are before the throne. Mm. Uh, this is good. You know, when you say seven spirits before the throne, someone will say, you know, around the throne of God. Seven spirits. It's not easy. There are seven spirits before the throne of God. <laughs> the seven spirits are clearly explained in the Old Testament. Isaiah chapter 11. Let's see the seven spirits first. Before you think that there are seven huge people guarding the throne of God. The protocol. Isaiah already told us what that is. Isaiah chapter 11 verse 1. Then a shot will spring from the stem of J.C. Who is J.C.? Father of what? David. Okay. And a branch from his roots will bear fruit. The spirit of the Lord will rest upon him. One, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and strength, the spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord. And he will delight in the fear of the Lord. So the seven spirits of God that are before the throne. Go back now. So that's sorted. From the seven spirits who are before his throne. And from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness. The firstborn of the dead. And the ruler of the kings of the earth. To him who loves us. And released us from our sins by his blood. 
So he's talking to us. He's talking about us now. Because we have been released from our sins by his blood. Talking about redemption. Verse 6. And he has made us to be what? A kingdom. Priest to his God. And Father to him the glory and the dominion forever and ever. Now, what I like about the New American Standard Bible, it's the placement of the punctuation. Okay? If you read some other translation, it says, He has made us a kingdom of priests. Okay? But I like the way it's rendered in the New American Standard Bible, and I think this is good. He has made us to be a kingdom. Then, priest to his God. What is that? What, how, does, how does this work? Because the scripture says in Luke 17 that the kingdom of God is within us. So he's made us to be able to carry the kingdom. And then to serve as priests to our God. Hallelujah. Because Israel was first of all a kingdom before they became a priest. God. So you can see in Revelation chapter 1 that we, by the precious blood of Jesus, we have access and qualified to function in that same covenant that was coming from the Old Testament. Uh, one more scripture here. Let's do Revelation 5.10. Let's do three more, three more scriptures. Revelation 5.10 and then we can wrap up for today. Are you learning anything? Alright. Revelation 5. Let's start reading from verse 9. Ah, <laughs> oh, God, have mercy. The book of Revelation is interesting. Eh? I know some people don't like to read it. Let me show you something. Revelation chapter 5, verse 8. When you are taking the book, the four living creatures. Mm, who are the four living creatures? The 24 elders. Or the 24 elders. Fell down before the lamp, each one holding a harp and a golden ball full of incense. What is the golden bowl? He explained it very clearly. Which are the prayers of the saints. So, you can, you can imagine. What's there? So, it's not like there's an intense, you know, physical bowl like that. And every time you pray, smoke will enter. So, you can pray, smoke will enter. No. <laughs> the lifting of our hands. And our prayers. Our sweet smelling sacrifices to God. Do you remember when uh, Solomon... Killed a thousand burnt offerings. Was a sweet smelling aroma to God. Praise God. Come on, talk to me, church. Are you here? You know what Paul said about the offerings of the, of the, of the Philippians to him? He says, your offering is like a sweet smelling aroma. So what God finds pleasure in is sweet smelling to him. Hmm? Verse 9, and they sang a new song saying, Worthy are you to take the book and to break its seal. For you were slain and purchased for God with your blood, men from every tribe, this includes us, and tongue, and people, and nation. You have made them to be a kingdom and priest to our God. And they will reign upon the earth. Observe that phrase. We're going to deal with that as we go on. And they would reign upon the earth. Now, we know that from 2 Samuel chapter 7, verse 12 to 17, Jesus came out. Have we read that before? Have we read 2 Samuel? Yeah, we, I think we've done that. Jesus came out from the tribe of, you know, um, Judah and all of those prophetic promises. Now, let's see the response of God. And I'll wrap up here. First Samuel chapter 8. We'll, we'll, we'll close there. I think this is enough for you to meditate on before next Sunday. 
Have you learned anything this morning? Say amen if you have. Alright, first Samuel chapter 8. It's like, man, what did they preach in church? Say the message is powerful. I'm telling you something. So exactly what? Ah, the power is not here. <laughs> so, so what exactly? No, if we start today, we will not finish. Go and bring food. First time you just know that the person didn't have an idea what was done in church. First time chapter 8. Let's go to verse 6. Look at verse 6. Uh, verse 4. Hmm? Then all the elders of Israel gathered together and came to Samuel at Ramah. Okay? <laughs> and they said, Behold, you have grown old, and your sons do not walk in your ways. Now appoint a king for us to judge us like other nations. Interesting sons that Samuel had. When people wanted to go and sacrifice, they will ask for the best part of the meat. They were sons of the priests. They lived very wayward lives. And it was reported to Samuel. Now, let's, let's see this. When Israel came out from Egypt, God never gave them a king because he had one purpose in mind, to be their only king. They always had judges, which are like representations. Okay? But when they got to this particular point, they said, no, give us a king like other nations. See God's reaction to that. See God's reaction to that. Verse 5, and they said, behold, you have grown old and your sons do not walk in your ways. Now appoint a king for us to judge us like all the nations. Uh, let me put this now. Um, thinking now. Hold your place there. Hold your place there. Come with me to Isaiah 33. Let me read something to you first so that that will make a better meaning. Uh, come with me to Isaiah 33 and verse 22. Hold your place in First Samuel. We're just, we're just going to read it now. But Isaiah 33, 22. Okay. Can you, can, you, can you see that? Can you see that? Okay. Everyone, I want us to read from the, from the bird. Everyone want to go. <clears throat> For the Lord is our judge... The Lord is our lawgiver and the Lord is our king. He will save us. You see, in that place there are the three arms of government. You study the three arms of government? Hmm? The judiciary arm, legislative arm, and the executive arm. In that Isaiah 33 verse 12, you find the three arms of government. What that means is that in God was the perfection of government. And the way God wanted to lead the children of Israel was for him to serve in this role and to have judges and prophets who interpreted the laws of God and governed the nation. Are you following this? The prophets of the Old Testament were not going to pray for kings. They were going to advise and correct kings and help the nation to live right. They were not looking for contracts. That you are a prophet and you have a registered company. And so when you pray for a governor, they now say, come and supply pencils. Those were not the way prophets were functioning. Prophets were the, were the, 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 the let me say, the whistleblowers. And when the, the kings or the, the kings missed out on what God wanted, the prophets were to call them to order. Are you hearing what I'm saying? They were not just political advisors to, to collect checks. 
They were, they, were, they were the ones to call the nation back to God. Are, are you following this now? Alright. Because when you have prophets who have become politicians, then you know that there's a problem. Because right now, the popularity of a man of God can be by how many times he flies to Asso Rock and he prays for the president. Do you realize that in the book of Timothy, Paul very told every believer that you can pray for the king. You don't need to fly there to pray for the king. I mean, there are those who are going for genuine reasons. There are also those who are going for their own pocket. You see, when the Lord has called you into ministry, and I'll, 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 if we have time, I'll show you here. He says the king that you have is going to multiply horses and do all this kind of stuff. When the Lord has called you into ministry, you must not take that privilege for granted. In fact, as I was studying the Old Testament, something that came so strong to me, it says, do not give the sons of Levi any portion on the earth. He said, because I am their portion. Mm, that's a strong statement. He's not saying, don't, don't give him a land, don't give him house. He says, but the sons of Levi must learn to be content with the fact that because they work for me, I am their portion. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Because if you don't have an understanding of that fact, you'll be, Jay, why they not divide land? Are we not from the same tribe? You will not be fighting for land. <laughs> and immediately you are consumed by all those things. You will now begin to use the scripture to meet your needs instead of teaching the saints. Let's wrap up here. Uh, verse 3. Am, am I there? Uh, go back to First Samuel. Yeah. Go back to First Samuel chapter 8. So I, I think I, I missed the sons of Eli for the sons of Samuel. The sons of Samuel were taking bribes and were perverting justice. It was the sons of Eli that were taking meat. Uh, verse 3 tells us that. His sons, however, did not walk in his ways, but turned aside after dishonest gain and took bribes and perverted justice. Anybody who takes bribe cannot be just. That's the number one problem in this nation. Once you collect bribe, you will pervert justice. It's, 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 it's straightforward. Then the elders of Israel gathered together and came to Samuel at Ramah. And they said, Behold, you have grown old. And your sons do not walk in your ways. Now appoint a king for us to judge us like other nations. But the thing was displeasing in the sight of Samuel. When they said, Give us a king to judge us. And Samuel prayed to the Lord. Now look at how God reacted. Verse 7. Then the Lord said to Samuel, Listen to the voice of the people in this regard. To all that they say to you. Look at this. For they have not rejected you. But they have rejected me from being a king over them. Can you see that? Can you see that? That by their demand for a king, they rejected God being king over them. Because the ultimate plan of God was the fact that he would be the king over his people. And that was because he's got a mind about this thing called the kingdom. We'll continue from here on Sunday. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. Thank you for the entrance of your word gives light. It gives understanding to the simple. We pray, Father God, that light and strength will just come through your word. In Jesus' mighty name, we pray. Amen. Amen. Have you been blessed this morning?
Thank you for listening to Word Connect with Pastor Maxwell Ogaga. We encourage you to share this message with your friends and loved ones. For more information and free downloads, please visit www.thepastormax.ng. We would like to hear from you. Send us an email, info at pastormax.ng. Or you can call 0805-888-7575. God bless you.